Blog Talk Radio. Listen, listen. Talk. Fantastic. 
I don't know if it's the weather outside because it is raining in Pennsylvania and uh, I don't know what it is, but there seems to be a longer delay between you and I. So I'm going to try to see how I can uh, get used to this uh, or at least fix it while we're talking. But I actually, other than, well, the first thing is, as we know, yesterday there was a, uh, not a shooting, but a stabbing uh, at a Lone Star uh, college campus in Texas. He, the, the I ain't gonna say the brother, but the man <laughs> used an exacto blade to stab approximately 14 uh, people who were wounded, and I believe two of those individuals were uh, critical. Um, I don't know as of right now what the situation is, but he apparently was 21 years old, and he just went around stabbing people with an exacto blade. Now that is a a weird. Uh, if I can say it, a weird instrument to use. Um, they say he was deaf, uh, seemed to be a deaf individual. And uh, violence is running rapid. It doesn't matter if it's a gun. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, as we see, an exacto blade. And then we also have uh, an American uh, fork, I believe it is. I don't even know where that is. Uh, right. But a, a, a five-year-old... Oh, sorry, a five-month-old baby was shot and killed, uh, and the father was arrested. Now, that is, uh, if that is not tragic, I, I, I don't know what tragic is. I mean, they're all tragic, but when you hear that a young life uh, is taken in that manner, uh, apparently, um, he, uh, was it? she suffered a single gunshot wound to the head. Uh, a victim of an apparent suicide or murder suicide attempt. He did not kill himself, did not have the chance because other family members tackled him to the ground. Uh, I'm, and I'm here to say today you can send your hate mail to me. I don't think they should have tackled him. I think they should have just let him do what he was going to do for taking a life. If we want to talk about a life for a life, an eye for an eye, then we should have just let him take his own life. But the man is uh, in jail. Uh, and he will definitely face uh, the justice system, and prayerfully he will get uh, exactly what he deser deserves. But as you can see, it's just happening all over the place. Yes, we believe that it's in our neighborhoods a whole lot more, and, um, I mean, facts just show that, and we need to find out uh, what the things are oh the things that are available for us to make an impact in our communities and prayerfully the impact that we make in our communities uh we will definitely make that impact spread towards all the other communities in uh this nation and and abroad uh what we are talking about today as i said is one solution there are many solutions and if you hear my papers rustling that's just my papers rustling because we're in a newsroom now. <laughs> but we uh, talked about last week's over 50 uh, schools that were planned on being closed in Chicago. And can you, uh, my sister Adira, give us some information on that? Sure, sure, Marie. Yeah, they um, are still talking about towards the end of the year um, for next school year, I guess, um, 50 schools, 50 to like 64 schools actually um, that are planned on being closed. And 
I mean, I know as we saw in the news, people were protesting, um, people were getting arrested. A lot of violence had broke out because of the outrage and the emotion that was attached to it, which is, of course, um, understood because people are worried about their children and where they will go because a lot of them, um, some of the people do not have transportation to be able to take their children to other parts, you know, other sides of Chicago to um, school them. So they're worried about their education, which is which is understandable. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that we talked about last week was that, you know, even with the protesting brothers and sisters, we have to use our sense. We have to be prudent and wise when we're doing these things. I think about a little over 100 people were arrested. Uh, well, no, actually, that was uh, during the protest with the uh, young brother that was shot in East Flatbush. They, um, you know, uh, we have to be careful. And we don't want to create even more uh, violence and killings because we're upset. We understand it, as the sister was saying. We totally understand being upset because it is something that is going on, if not every day, every other day. Uh, we don't. There are things that we probably don't even uh, know about, but we have to try to come together <clears throat> and come up with solutions that we can do in order for the police to not even have to deal with us at all. Uh, again, with that story, and if you know, if anybody out there knows anything about that, please call, you know, 213-943-3618, uh, because I don't know what has happened since then. Um, but we need to be wise as a people and try to be an example uh, like our forefathers or our ancestors or whatever you want to call them from the 60s and 50s. I don't know if they would be ancestors. But they, you know, uh, the the silent protests or the civil disobedience, you know, we can still be strong as a people and uh, try to get the solutions within our communities and not necessarily rely on uh, many of those that are out there. But I also read, and I was always wondering, uh, I know there are things happening in Philadelphia as well with schools, but my hometown of New York, I was shocked to find out, uh, as of January the 7th, I believe, uh, there were 17 schools. And in this article from the Daily News, it said 17 failing schools now. Uh, you know, I don't know what they mean by failing, but the fact that they're planning on doing this, I think uh, the article doesn't necessarily say the reason. Um, if it is just because kids are failing in the classes, then uh, I think we need to redirect our priorities at in helping these children. And uh, prayerfully, again, with the issue of homeschooling, uh, we will be able to find a solution. So uh, what we will do, we're going to take a break. And after this break, we will be right back with our co-hosts and our guests. We're going to take you now to Chicago, where this past weekend at least 52 people were shot, eight of them killed, in a wave of violence across the city. So far this year, 109 people have been murdered in that city. That's up 56% of the last year. 
Much of the violence is gang-generated minority involved. Genocide in the United States. That's how one Chicago teen describes what's happening in his community. 36 students killed in Chicago this school year alone. A Father's Day party boiled over. Five shots, including a one-year-old girl. Gunned down in a weekend of violence so typical it didn't even make the front pages. They're waging war in the streets of Chicago, and we're losing children every single day. Freshman Gregory Robinson was gunned down and killed. Police say Robinson was doing nothing wrong. According to Chicago police, the murder rate here is up 35% compared to last year. People living here say the gangs have taken over. Some say they'd like to see the National Guard come in. We need help. We need help. That's all I can the only way I can put it. Detectives have narrowed their search down to one young man from the neighborhood believed to be the gunman who murdered Robert Freeman Jr. Police say the 13-year-old boy was shot 13 times Wednesday evening at 115th and Perry. He had been outside riding his bike with friends when the gunman came out of a vacant lot, aimed at Freeman, and opened fire. Chicago police now confirm more than 50 people were shot in the city from Friday night through this morning. Eight of those people have died. Anita Padilla reports from the West Side where a shooting at a barbecue sent several people to the hospital, including a one-year-old girl. The shooters are getting bolder. Bullets flew on the city's South Side last night, even though a group of more than 30 officers was nearby. I didn't see no wounds on the Have you been shot at? Yes. Have you shot at people? Yes. You see, we want help. So we're the killer we feel. I'll be thinking when, when my turn coming, because it's coming. So you don't expect to never be an old man? No. Just as we were arriving in the Gresham Police District, 10 miles due south of Chicago's Loop, even before we reached for the cameras, five shots were fired across the street from us, and where detectives were making a drug arrest. One thing when you hear it once a day or every other day uh, on the news, but when you listen to that CD, it's a culmination of many different uh, uh, incidences of violence, even when they were interviewing. Could you imagine violence breaks out when they're interviewing about violence? But uh, we're going to bring now uh, first our other co-host, Brother Moshe Yisrael, my brother. How are you? I'm great. And yourself? I'm doing well, brother. What? Uh, I know you have a story you want to share, which is going to be great, because we were talking about some of the violence that is going on, uh, especially the thing, uh, the issue yesterday with the uh, Exacto Blade. And uh, there was something that you saw uh, in the news, and, and we just want to share that before we get to our special guest. Oh, yes, yes. 
um, in the Bronx, they had a gang Bronx um, member arrested in turf war. Officials say um, still two police arrested ten members of a gang violence called the WTF. They have been recruiting from time to time, actually, um, in the years of the, the, the 2011, 2012, and they eventually, you know, got enough members in their gang and start robbing people, um, locking down buildings, um, resurfing buildings, selling the drugs out there. And in young teenagers, I'm talking like 17 to 27, actually. Mm. So, so, so part of the initiation was was uh, robbing people. Um, the initiation was actually um, robbing people. It was um, wow, getting so hot in here. It's like robbing people. They was doing for the initiation, getting the gang members. Mm-hmm. And, and this um, is a shame because we we, uh, we we hear stories about this all the time. Um, and it, it, it's been going on for years where, you know, in order for you to get your stripes, you have to hurt your own people. And, and I'm telling you, morality is going down the drain. And, and parents, we got to start looking at our kids and spending exactly. more time with them uh, that are, you know, be careful who they hang around with. Be careful who they, uh, uh, you know, go away from you with because the influence out there is heavy. It is very heavy and probably more more heavy, more heavy or heavier, I should say. And those uh, days when I was a kid, you know, there was, I was talking with someone the other day and was mentioning how there were certain things that we would not even hear on the street. Nowadays, uh, your sex education is on the street. Uh, right. Your morality is on the street and there's very little uh, morality on the street. Right. So whatever you're learning is something that... Uh, you know, is not conducive to living a a life, uh, a free life of of uh, of joy and peace in your life. Because if you're running from the cops, you know how peaceful that is not peaceful at all. But exactly. our first guest today, our first guest today is uh, Brother Yusuf Shakur. Uh, he's a co-chairman of the Black Soldiers, and he was. Um, which is this is great. He was invited to Harvard to sit Yay. in the forum of the Black yes. Policy uh, uh, Conference, and I and and that's a a a definitely a good step. I mean, being the co-chairman of the Black Soldiers is a good step. Step. Yes. He is also the author of of My Soul Looks Back and Windows of My Soul, and I believe he is either working on or has already put out. Detroit's native son, and we're going to talk about what that is about, and we'll talk about some other things that he has experienced in his life, but let's bring to the audience, to the listen to the people, Brother Yusef Bunchy Shakur. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good. Uh, it's an honor, man, to, to be on your show. No, it's great to have you, brother, to give uh, your experience and, and some wisdom uh, to our to our audience so that uh, we can definitely take what you have learned in your life to spread uh, to the other other people. So, real briefly, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a native Detroiter. I grew up like most most young men and women in the uh, 21st century by my mom without a father. Uh, a lot of the social pressure that she felt raised me by herself 
led her to begin to engage in um, alcoholism, which led me to engage in the streets where I became a co founder of a gang, got kicked out of every public public school, which all them led me to a pr- uh, prison for a crime I didn't do. And while in prison, I met my father for the first time. And that relationship had a tremendous, tremendous impact on me, transforming and redeeming my life. And I've been home, uh, served nine years, and I've been home 12 years. Wow, you met your yeah. brother, um, your brother. You met your father in prison. Yes. Wow. 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 What, what was that experience like? I mean, uh, you know, was, first of all, first of all, what was the what was the events that occurred that actually put you in prison? I mean, you know, I co found the game. I was heavily heavily involved in the game and in um, the behavior and activities that we did. So the crime that was committed was a gang-related crime. We being a well-known member, and the, and the cop that was on the case, man, had a long history. So you know, as most most young brothers was involved in the streets, not just fifty percent of them ended up going to prison for things that we didn't do. And upon going to prison, mm-hmm. I knew my father was there, and I knew of him as the farm donator. God must say this and do that, but don't do a damn thing. And so uh, you know, being being around him was it was. It was a beautiful, incredible experience because he was a beautiful example of what a black man should be. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so, no. so w- what caused you to, when you got out, I should say, what led you to the the I guess which came first, the books or the being the co-chairman of the Black Soldiers? Oh, um, the books came first, and a lot, and the books just came out of the experience of. Of um, you know, the transformation, the redemption, which is a continuation of black, of the black struggle, the black experience in America, to recognize our continuous uh, fight against the injustice, uh, the oppression that, that that we're suffering from, and how we internalize that oppression become predator within our community. And so, writing the book allowed me to open up a bookstore. Um, you know, I studied the Black Panther Party, I studied African history. So, I was you know, having the knowledge itself redeemed me. And, and, and claiming uh, who I am, the obligation to want to uh, commit to uh, making difference in my community, which put me in a position to uh, be co co chair of the Black Soldier that we founded in twenty twenty twelve. Wow! Wow! You have let let me uh, let's go to the the my soul looks back book. How how did that come about? What was the inspiration behind that? What what can we look for in that book? Um, my soul is back is, is the detail of the 12 years of me being out of prison. Right now, everybody's talking about mass incarceration in particular, uh, being credit to Michelle Alexander, who wrote the, um, the powerful book, The New Jim Crow. Uh, unfortunately, um, she's never been incarcerated. She's, she's, she's a professor of academia. So my soul is back gives you that vaccine, that, that struggle of the, the thousands of thousands of men and women who come out of prison and wonder why they're not making it, or when they do make it, what's what's that process? What's those building blocks? So, you know, dating, you know, mm. dating with women or dating with men, you know, coming home to build, rebuild that relationship with your, your parents and your community, and the draw drawbacks, the setbacks, and, and to be where I'm at now, you know, where I'm you know, very popular, um, very successful on many levels, but overstanding the tenacity, the commitment. And the heartbreak that, that it takes to uh, you know guy who still has a stigma of being you know labeled a returning citizen, labeled an ex felon, but you know I label myself as a, uh, a liberator. Indeed. Yeah. 
Wow, that's beautiful. Interesting. So, so, and then you have another book, Windows of My Soul. Now, uh, how or what are the ingredients, I should say, of that book? Well, that's the, that's the first book. That's the foundation. And that kind of uh, assess okay. the, uh, the scenes of the relationship between me and my mother, the relationship with my community, me co-founding the game, mm. you know, gives you a full, full depth look of, uh, of a guy who's in prison and gives you the heart mm-hmm. of what that struggle looked look like. But also, like, you know, when I, when you read my, you know, the first, both my books, but the first book in particular, you know, you you by by the time you get to the end of the book, you see my transformation. You you see you feel yeah. the redemption from JoJo to you such a core. I don't glorify my gang activity. What I glorify is the ignorance that led me to do a lot of the dumb shit I did. But it also is an educational tool because my family, the thing that we went through, is a reflection of of many black families in America. So it's a book that's based upon solutions, not just talking about the problem. Wow, that's mm. wonderful. Interesting. So so what was the, uh, or when was the moment that this transformation, as you as you uh, very well put it, uh, took place? What, what started this transformation, and, and how did you, Continue to go through this transformation to where to where you are today. I mean, the transformation it took place in prison. Um, like I, I made the strong distinction, prison did not rehabilitate me. Prison just offered the space to warehouse me. Prison offered the space to incarcerate me. It was a relationship that I developed with my father. Offered the opportunity to, to uh, redeem and reclaim my life, and it was through books to help reeducate my mind. So, more importantly, my father had not re- redeemed his, himself and not transform himself, I would not be a redeemed man. And one of the last times mm. that me and my father was gathered in prison, uh, he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he told me that they can keep the lion caged, but the cub must go free. So when the cub goes free, part of the lion goes to the cub. So even though I'm home and I'm a redeemed man, you, you see the redemption of my father and me. Because, again, if he not if he had not redeemed himself, I wouldn't be a redeemed man. Wow, that's great. I I really like that. And and how how uh because you know, it it's it's very important that uh our young people today see uh individuals like yourself who uh for for nine years uh you spent that time in the prisons, you've come out of the prisons and your mindset changed. And as you said, it was just uh like a warehouse to hold you. And and I think it's important that they understand as well that it's not something to be glorified because we know for 20, 25 years or 30 years that the prison system, uh, who has no care in the world of who they put in there, is something that many of the young people today glorify. And um, And we need brothers like yourself to tell their story as you have been doing and even starting an uh, organization to be able to help. So tell us about uh, the black soldiers and, and, and what that, that you co-chair and what that is all about. Um, the black the black soldiers is nothing but a continuation of the Black Panther Party, uh, Republican New Africa, mm-hmm. uh, the many, many uh, black organizations that was founded on educating, organizing, feeding, clothing, uh, protecting and defending uh, black people and black communities by any means necessary. Um, one of, one of the, the, the greatest travesties in the 21st century in the black community is we no longer have a, a social movement 
a vehicle for mm-hmm. young folks to get involved, engage in their community as protectors versus as predators. And unfortunately, the only social vehicles that we have is the church, and we know where they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And also we have in gangs, and we know where they're leaving. But no one is, is allowing us to exist in the sense of, you know, articulating our pain and our hurt as a form of resistance. And so now that pain and hurt becomes to um, backfire where, where, where we're turning on each other. So, you know, but also mm-hmm. learning from the, from the past. You know, we're not trying to be the Black Panther Party or, or any organization, but we're, we're standing on their shoulders. Um, it's a continuation because mm-hmm. we're not free. Um, the struggle is not over. And, and folks have to step mm-hmm. up and, re, uh, and be responsible. And we all bear that responsibility. Mm. And, and what, what kind of uh, uh, programs or uh, events uh, do you have? Do you have like yearly things? Do you have anything coming up that people uh, can can in Detroit or wherever can uh, look, look out for? I should say and bring their youth to. Or um, are there anything like that, that you have going on right now? Yeah, actually, um, we have we have two chapters. Um, we have one in New York and one in Detroit. And, and each each chapter, we organize a, a monthly feed the people. Um, it's not about feeding poor people. It's not about feeding homeless. It's about feeding people. Where we come together, and uh, one in Detroit, we do it at our bookstore. So we come in, and we break bread, we all eat together, we love together, we we care together. So we're showing and demonstrating to our community what the community looks like, the atmosphere there. Um, this mm-hmm. summer, we'll be initiating. Um, the Eddie Conway um, Summer School, which is Eddie Conway is a former member of the Black Panther Party who's a political prisoner. So, you know, using that, his name to continue to, to, to recognize that we do have political prisoners, prisoners of war that are, are falsely incarcerated here in America. So we, we wonder and look where black leadership is. You know, many of, many of our best and, and brightest are being held captive. So we so. And we wonder why we're we're bathing in ignorance because we don't know who we are, well, nor nor do we understand the, the history of, of the resistance towards the oppression that exists in our community. So again, we know we want to plant the seeds. So also, you know, so just you know, we're taking our time. Uh, you know, you look at the, you know, you want to learn from the party, you know, and all the great things they did. They made they made a lot of mistakes too. So it's important that we learn from the mistakes. And one of them, and one of them is, you know, they grew very fast. So you know, we want to be. Uh, selective and, and have a process of we want quality members versus uh, a quantity. You know, we want ten ten good soldiers versus a thousand good soldiers, a thousand bad soldiers. Mm-hmm. I say. Well, I think I think that's fantastic, and it's the fact that um, you are definitely reaching out to that next generation because the generation uh, that we see as young people right now will one day be the ones uh, in charge of everything that we are currently trying to build if we teach them properly. And I think that's one of the things in teaching them. You teach them through your experience. You teach them through your mistakes. And um, I think that that's a a great thing that you're doing. Now, how was it that you were, uh, and I think uh, if you hear my tone, you'll understand why I'm asking it this way. How was it that you were invited to Harvard? to sit in the forum of the Black Policy Conference? Because we know that that's like, what? <laughs> how did that come about, and how was that experience? Um, I, was, I was invited. Uh, I'm in a, uh, I had an opportunity to, to work and do some, um, I sit down with some students from the University of Michigan where they was impressed and um, began to learn from a lot of things that we're doing in the city of Detroit. 
and so we have to continue. One one particular student in particular, it was a white student, a medical student, who's going to be a, a doctor at the UN, and he has an interest of doing some some things different in uh, trauma around uh, urban in the urban setting. So he's been picking my brain and figuring how how to be different as far as making a difference. So he went on went mm-hmm. on to Harvard, and so he was like, man, we need somebody on the ground who's really going to give us to us raw and give us to us real. And he recommended my name and got me there. It was a, it was an incredible experience, you know. When you, when you look at Harvard, you you know that these are the next people who's going to help shape the policy of this this country that we live in. And mm. you know, I was fortunate enough to contribute to shaping their minds to make sure the policy that they shape it impacts um, the poor people, the black people, and the brown people from a from a standpoint of liberation and not just a standpoint of reform. I think I think one thing that you said is is very very interesting and probably deeper than people that people realize. You said they're the ones uh, that go into shape uh, the policies and so on and so forth. Not only that, they're the ones uh, whether they're black or white that are going to be the politicians. Uh, they're going to be shaping the policies and 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 in some cases they're going to be the ones who are struggling with their people. Uh, to deal right. with uh, you know the injustices that many of them from Harvard may uh, exact on our people, and I think your outlook on it was uh, was very interesting. Um, and then we go to uh, kind of going through your life here, and it, it, it's it's a very good story, I must tell you. Um, the documentary, Detroit's yeah. Native, Native Son. Uh, how did that yeah. come about? Is it is it out now, or is it still in production? Um, actually, that's that's been in the works for three years. Um, Detroit mm-hmm. has um, from zone prison community leader. Um, he used to talk about your story, so it takes both the books and brings to to, uh, to the big screen the story of hope, the story of redemption, the story of transformation, mm-hmm. the story of uh, of many many souls in America that help mm-hmm. help find themselves. Um, actually, we're going to be doing some screenings throughout the country. Um, the goal is to get into some film festivals. Um, we continue to build on it and, uh, and get it out there on the national level. And then we're going to release it on, on actual DVD. So, oh, so this is this is in actuality uh, a, a story that takes the first and the second book, brings them together in a right. uh, in a film or movie. That that's great. I, I can't wait for that. And when it's ready, make sure you let us know. <laughs> you come on okay. the show. So that we could talk yeah, about yeah. It. Actually, we're doing a uh, releasing, uh, doing a screening here in Detroit on May third and May fourth, and then we're doing another screening in in um, Rochester, New York, on May tenth. May tenth. Okay. So you yeah, all get a, out we there. The, we got the trailer right. We got the trailer right now on YouTube. So the folks want to go check the trailer out. And then folks okay, on, where, where can they go on where can they go on YouTube to see that? All you gotta do is just go go to YouTube and type in Detroit's Native Son and it'll pop okay, up. Okay, that's what we'll do. Detroit yeah. Native Sons peeps. Uh Native Son, I'm sorry. Yeah. And you go on YouTube and take a look at that and check it out and and I, I know you will and, and don't forget to subscribe to the page too, because you know, sometimes we go and look at something and then we don't know what's going on because we don't subscribe. Uh, to the page um, I want to thank you my brother You can stay on if you like uh, We are going to definitely uh, uh, Enjoy The next guest But we also don't mind you putting your input in 
uh, once we start getting rolling with that. So before I bring the next guest, we're going to take a break, and we shall be right back. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Tuning in to the Keys 107 Network on blogtalkradio.com, radio.com. We want to thank our brother Yusuf uh, Shakur for being a part of the program. He definitely has a a story to tell and knowledge to give to our young young people. Um, What do you guys think of that story? Amazing. It was absolutely amazing, inspiring, encouraging, uplifting, all that good stuff. It was wonderful. I mean, that's such a testimony. Yes, he did. And, I really and I find, think it, I really found out, um, I find the same way how she described it, how he has been through so much and uplifted himself all the way up, and now he has the, the um, strength to tell the story of his life, where he's been at, where he started at, where he's seen in the streets. You know, it's it's really amazing. It really is. But you know what I love about it, yeah. too, is that he looked at it in a positive 
using it in a positive light. You know, a lot of times we go mm-hmm. through hard times and we make that our excuse to, like, you know, not do anything else in life and to, you know, say that, you know, our burden to carry forever, that we don't ever go to a next level, a next step. So I love how you use that, that experience to kind of empower him and motivate him to go higher. So that was that beautiful. Not only that, he's a brother. He's yeah, a man. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, I, and I'm saying that because of the fact that we have so many young brothers right now. I'm not talking about in their teens and even younger who are experiencing things that, as I said, I never experienced. They're experiencing a peer pressure that you would not believe today. They are experiencing uh, uh, all kinds, all sorts of things that uh, really are plaguing uh, their mind uh, when it comes to making a choice uh, for uh, over from uh, for good over evil, and I'm going to get a little scriptural here. You know, the scripture talks about Moses uh, coming down and talking to the children of Israel and saying, you know, the Most High has given you life and He's given you death. And as opposed to just saying, make up your own mind, the Most High gives us a hint and He says, choose life. He doesn't say choose life over death. He just says chooses choose life. Because when we come to a point where we know good from evil, we don't even deal with the death. We don't even deal with the evil because we have a confidence within ourselves, which is the power of the Creator, that we uh, that we are a people of, of righteous morality, and we need to share that thing. But we are fighting a battle. We are fighting a serious war that we need to begin to share with this young generation, pick up. Uh, our young men and put them in positions where they feel leadership, where they feel uh, strength and where they feel uh, power so that even the politicians and even uh, those who are, are, whether in their office or out of their office, they're not moral. Um, You know, we can trust our own people who we can look up to being that moral purpose. Well, anyway, I'm going to stop preaching right now. And uh, we're going to take a, a little music break. Uh, talking about, you know, the politicians and talking about, uh, you know, the things that are happening with the schools, because I don't even think the cities uh, realize that closing these schools can can and probably already has contributed uh, to the rise in crime in our communities. It's oh, contributed definitely. to, of course, our people being put in prison, a lot of people, but... We're talking about our community right now, and that's that's the mindset we need to have. We need to have our community at in right. our in our eyes range and do what we can do to raise up our young people, men, uh, young men and young ladies, young women, so that look, I just saw not not too long ago, and and then I'm going to take this musical break a couple of days ago, I should say, and it made me sick. There seems to be this. I don't know how new it is, but it's a dance, and it's called twerking. And uh, a few, I get very upset when I talk about this. Uh, a few days ago, I saw one where a sister, maybe 30, I don't know, was in church, and she was twerking. And then I just saw uh, last week, on one day, I saw 
a young toddler girl, a young girl, toddler, probably a toddler, no more than five, maybe four. Her and another one were doing the same thing. And I mean, it was horrible. And I mean horrible because a, a child, a baby of that age should not be doing that. So you know this is going on around that home a lot. And then the third one I saw was a 14, maybe 13, 12, 13, 14-year-old girl who was doing the same twerking once again in church. And at one point, she got on another young girl's lap like she was having, let's be real, a lap dance. I do think that uh, the morality has gone down the drain. It's not even going down. It's down the drain, and we need to pick this up. If Parents, if you are out there and your child is doing this, you're laughing at these videos, shame on you. Well, you know that's the father, the father that's being indicted right now for for whooping his daughter, his two daughters, you know, for mm-hmm. making a twerk video. And how, yeah, so that's been all over the news because um, they're saying that he used excessive, you know, um, uh, corporal punishment. But the thing is, is that okay. now on one hand you have children that are not being supervised and have any kind of penalties for doing this type of stuff, and then you have a father that's trying to take his own children's, you know, um, future into his hands, and now he's up for. I don't, I don't, even, I haven't followed enough to see what the, if he's been indicted yet or not, but it's it's just so sad. Well, well I, I honestly. Go ahead, brother. Well, um, the thing is with that, I don't think he should get indicted. I think what he's done, um, okay, with the court, yeah, a little, little over, over the rating, but <clears throat> stopping his daughter for twerking. I mean, he had done the right thing. Now you have parents, like you said, um, teaching their young ones how to twerk. One years old, two years old. It's it's, it's getting so so sad out here. It, it like you said, it's really down, down. Like really down in dirt right now, so it's so bad. But um, should he get time over this right here? No, I don't think he should get time. But um, if he wasn't there, yes, his daughter's videotape probably would have been on YouTube, and we'd have probably seen them on on YouTube yeah. for his two videos, his two young daughters, and we'd probably be like, where the parents at? But his exactly. their father stepped up and said, hey, I'm the daddy. Yeah, this is not y'all should be doing. Y'all gonna get a whipping, and he don't even have to do. It. Well, I think I think um, I'm I'm kind of torn between a certain aspect of it, uh, and and this is this is what now I've been I was beat with a cord, <laughs> my father, and uh, I still have one of the marks on my right. So it's not big, but I could show you where where it would be. Now, you know he didn't beat me like this brother beat his girls. He hit me maybe three or four. He all he had to do was hit me once. I would have been like done. But he hit me like two or three times. My my only my only issue with it is that I think he lost control, and uh, I can under, I can understand the losing control because I get sick just watching. You know, uh, and I don't watch these whole videos when someone sends me something. You know, I I may not watch it, but this one I actually watch. So there's two things that I deal with with a a situation like this. Number one, who in the world would videotape such a beating? Oh, the beating. Oh, yeah. That's number one. How did he not know 
that it was being videotaped. Not that he needed to hide anything. One thing that I know for a fact is that the society or the government or the the different uh, organizations that are out there, they do not understand our particular kind of what they call corporal punishment. And I think that's a cultural issue. Um, Now, not that, like I said, I don't believe he should have went as far as he did, but he got very angry and he lost control. I have to say that I have been in that position maybe once or twice uh, before. Uh, These were boys. These were not girls. I may have been a little, you know, uh, different with, with a girl and a boy, but... Uh, I think that there was a point where he should have stopped. And if I'm not mistaken, he was also uh, yelling expletives at the girls. I don't remember. I just remember seeing um, comments on the video. Why would he have to, you know, curse them out and call them the B word and this and that. So apparently he, he did do that. So I believe he did lose control as there are people out there that I know, uh, uh, that are listening can probably say, yes, there are times when they lost control. And I believe that when you go to the point where you are marring your child, and uh, as I said, I've been in that position, and I, I caused cuts on the on the boy, and, and that's not something that you really want to, to see happen. And, and that's where I believe... You know, I can't say, I, I don't know what he would be indicted for, if he would do time, if I don't know what it is, but I do do believe that he lost control. And at the same time, why were they twerking? So now who was watching the children, who were teaching the children, how did the children wake up that that was something that they wanted uh, to take part in? So we have a lot of variables in this situation as we do in all situations that we uh, 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 talk about. And real quick, um, I want to, uh, one of the things that is a very good comment in the chat room, uh, uh, the Empress Lee show, she says, or he says, she says, many fathers or parents as a whole have done it. Because their children bring shame upon exactly. their household. Now That's that right. term is a cultural term. That is not just that is not a westernized term. That is a cultural term from uh, whether you, the Middle East, from Africa. You know, there's a, there's a real seriousness when I'm giving a history lesson now. There's a real seriousness <laughs> when it comes to a family name, a family's character. And the family's behavior here in the Western world that is not now in the Western world in certain communities that is that means nothing nowadays. But there are still certain nations, if we want to say certain Europeans, certain uh, those from some of those from India, uh, some of those who are in in Islamic worlds. We've heard stories like that as well that even went to the point of murder. Uh, you know, we we have to understand that there is a serious moral decay or decaying of of our children, and and it starts with the adults. It starts with the the how we take our time and spend time 
with our own children. And and I mean, there are very good parents out there. There are mothers out there who are, are doing all that they can, and I give kudos to every single one of them. Uh, there are fathers who are well, trying you. to do... <laughs> there are fathers who are doing uh what and and we're going to have a, a, a I think we're going to do a show on that uh in a couple of weeks because I think it's important for us to to see the balance and see where things are like just totally uh totally uh misunderstood on both sides and at the same time we have those who are not taking their responsibility as parents as seriously as they should and before it's too late we want to give them again these solutions so what we're going to do is we're going to play this uh song it is by uh someone that i know uh who goes by the name of mybby and this song is oh, wow. <laughs> it must be awesome boy that sound is so scripted <laughs> <laughs> We're going to <laughs> And this song is entitled Corruption I spy with my little eye Congressmen go around doing women drive-bys Even though the wives are at home These funky politicians can't leave the pros alone While others dig deep in my pocket Taking harder money, funding wars for profit Their lies are obvious, the betrayal is clear These talk about politicians, they really don't care What will it take to get your attention? Are you so brainwashed that you don't even get it? It's all over the news, which everyone views Yo, it's life or death, and it's for you to choose, you see I can't believe what everyone shows me I can't receive the lies that they told me I come to realize that they're so messed up And the word prophesies that will come to justice will Come to those who are helpless. So worry not, this judgment in the end for replacing the worship of Yah with the worship of men. Everywhere that you look, everywhere that you look, everywhere that you look, everywhere that you look, there's corruption. Everywhere that you look, everywhere that you look, everywhere that you look. Whoever says double standards were dead You must be living under rocks or out of your head If not, you'll be pissed to bear witness As celebrities wilding out getting slaps on the wrist So you wanna make money with these Getting two pharmaceuticals and start selling diseases cause The problem is the healthcare system is designed not to cure Just alleviate symptoms And that means you consume more debilitating drugs With no sight of a cure You're caught up in the vicious cycle it's the same damn cycle that took hey, out my hair, so If you know shit itch, they got a drug for that And if your butt shit itch, they got a drug for that And they'll convince you you got a health crisis The diagnosis, itchy butt ice Come on. Everywhere that you look Everywhere that you look Everywhere that you look Everywhere that you look There's corruption Everywhere that you look Everywhere that you look, you can't even go outside on the street. 
Hello? Hello? Is he there? Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'm here trying to talk, and I just realized the mic wasn't on. So, uh, I will start all over again. (laughs) (laughs) That was corruption, and uh, corruption is not just uh, in the uh, political arena. It is not just in... Uh, the pharmaceutical companies, it is also, in my opinion, and, and I'm sure we can find places in, in some of the schools. And I think the biggest uh, corruption there is is when we talk about closing schools uh, and not really giving uh, a good alternative. But as my sister said last week, uh, we should not necessarily be uh, upset about this. Um, we need to begin the process of uh, helping ourselves, teaching our children ourselves. And so we have on the line today three uh, astute guests who uh, are in the homeschooling arena, I should say, either homeschooling themselves or a part of an organization that provides the information of homeschooling. And the first individual I'm going to bring on the line is Sister Hanal Kadash. Sister, are you there? How are you? I am here. I'm I'm doing well. I understand that uh, you are a homeschool mom and you advocate for homeschooling. Yes, I do. (laughs) How long have you been uh, a homeschooler? This is our third year in homeschool. We're in sixth grade, so we started in fourth grade, fourth, fifth, and now the sixth. Wow! So you 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 definitely are are bringing in. It, uh, are you bringing in uh, a different grade every year? Currently, I, I only homeschool my own children, um, and my daughter is now at sixth grade level. So I started with my daughter at fourth grade, and we're three years okay. in right now. Okay. Um, okay. So that's interesting. Uh, some people I don't think realize uh, how much of a task this is with your own children, let alone having if you were to right. have other children. Exactly. What, right. what made you decide? What made you decide to go into or to actually start homeschooling your your children? Well, it was something that I had considered for a couple of years prior to actually starting. I was dissatisfied with um, the level of services that my daughter was receiving in the school. I felt like they were not um, meeting her needs. They were derelicting their duties to not only teach her, but to protect her and to nurture her. And, you know, after a couple of years, it kind of got to the point where, you know, I, you know, I really took her education personally. And I decided mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it's my responsibility to teach her, um, to, you know, nurture her, to raise her. No one else is but my own. So 
you know, Tyler mm-hmm. kind of got to homeschool. We had some issues with bullying at the at the end part, the latter part, and that was really, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back with the bullying, which was wow. completely intolerable, wow. right? Mm-hmm. And we're we're going to talk a little bit about bullying in a few minutes, but I also now okay. want to bring uh, to the line Miss um, or Sister, I should say, Sandra Murphy. Who is an instructor for instructor for the Home School Network of the Asili Museum and Institute in Cincinnati, Ohio? My sister, how are you? Greetings. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing well. You know what we're gonna do before we begin to speak? I need to play a song and find out why your uh, the phone seemed to be. Uh, Cutting off. I don't know what's going on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a beautiful song if I can find one right now and try to not have because I know there's a lot of information. Well, I'm going to play decisions and we will be right back after some of this song by Ronnie Song featuring Naomi Emanuel and it's called Decisions. Yes, African-centered principles. Okay. Okay. 
to teach them more about uh, themselves as well as where they came from so that they'll have a better idea of where they're going into the future. And how long have you been doing that? I just recently started. My first year will be up, uh, coming up really soon. This was something I just recently decided to do because I was already homeschooling my two girls at home. And then I was given the opportunity. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. No, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Uh, and then I, I was I started homeschooling my daughters at home, and then I was given the opportunity to homeschool them inside of the network at the Yosemite Museum and Institute. Uh, and that's where I've been uh, for the past few months now. It'll be a year coming up real soon. Wow, that's 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 great. That's great. We also have uh, with us <clears throat> a brother by the name of Ted Smith. That's right. We got to get the brothers to represent too. Uh, represent. He is a <laughs> he is a public school teacher who believes strongly in homeschool, uh, homeschooling, I should say, for 17 years. My brother, how are you? I'm doing fine. Um, again, my name is uh, Ted Smith, and um, I've been teaching for 17 years within um, the Baltimore City Public School System, and just what I witness on a daily basis um, is a crime against humanity. And uh, mm. I really um, look forward to just sharing with the listening um, audience just the reasons why um, I feel that way. Um, much of what goes on within the public school system um, will not be shared with you because teachers don't want to lose um, their jobs and people have to participate within the system which is not for us. Um, the the mm-hmm. sister that, that, that spoke about the um, just the, the, the silly um, museum and institute, um, and just the the, the 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 first sister that spoke um, in terms of homeschooling based upon uh, Hebrew principles, also from the East. Um, I think that that is is what is needed. Malcolm X mm. said only a fool would ex- would would expect his enemies to properly mm-hmm. educate his children. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think that is absolutely absolutely uh true especially or not even especially they should be true all the time, but unfortunately as we all know that that is something that uh we have been uh, sucked into the system, and now the system uh, is failing, and we have to find a solution for all these crimes that are being committed by children who are not in school. And I'm talking children who are not in school. So, uh, Sister Hanel, what what was the uh, situation in terms of the bullying that, and, and, and this probably goes to some of what uh, Brother Ted is talking about, and we'll get to some of the things that he's seen in a second. What was it about the bullying that really made you say, ah, I got to do this? Well, I think the um, the the, the uh, administrators in the school, they were too lackadaisical for me in, in dealing with the problem um, and, you know, kind of try to want to brush it under the rug, and I ain't that type of mama, so 
things, you know, under the rug right. and act as if they don't happen. And then when your child retaliates or when they have some type of emotional upset, you know, surrounded by this, this situation, then it's a problem. No, it's not a problem. You know what I mean? Because that's how, how how would you expect a child to respond? When you back somebody into a corner, they better come out fighting like a lion. That's what they do. It's natural. It's human instinct. Um, so it was very off kilter the way they, you know, the, the whole vibration of it all, the way they dealt with it. Um, it was it was off, you know, and um, it's just something that I was not satisfied with, something that I would not tolerate, um, you know, somebody crushing her spirit, um, <clears throat> you know, not lifting her up, whether it's teachers, students, or whomever. It's just it's intolerable. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I think I think that that is definitely something that that a lot of our kids have to deal with today. Uh, those who are still in the the public school, I can uh, definitely speak about knowing those things that go on in some of those schools, and and it's terrible. So so uh, Sister Sandra, uh, yes. uh, what what is it that that you provide for uh, uh, this type of of situation when people want to homeschool? Uh, is there something particular they have to do to talk to you to be an instructor? Uh, to be an instructor, you have to want to instruct. That's that's the re, uh, requirement that we have. You have to just you have to want to instruct. You have to want to uh, teach the children and teach them uh, uh, the African principles that our people were accustomed to. That Africans and uh, that we were as a people accustomed to a long time ago. Like we. Just ask that you be willing to come and to teach and to instruct. And a curriculum is already provided for one to follow to teach the students uh, what it is that they need to know. We we you just register your child. You bring them in. You register them. If you want to teach, you're more than willing to. If not, we'll do it. We're just uh, dedicated to teaching our children things that we feel that they should know instead of letting them be taught things that. Uh, feel that they should be knowing. Mm, interesting, interesting, and uh, that so we're taking control over our own children rather than having somebody else, as the brother said, quoting Malcolm, having our enemies, so to speak, not even so to speak, but reality speaking, to try to teach them properly. Oh, they teach them, exactly. but it's to teach them properly. So, brother Ted, please explain to us these things that you uh, did. Oh, have seen and know that are going on that we can also those who are have not yet or may not you know homeschool their kids, but they can be aware that these things are going on well first um you know I want to recommend a particular book that I think provides insight uh especially for the listening audience. It's called the Death mm-hmm. and Life of the Great American School System, and in that mm-hmm. particular book there's a poignant chapter called the billionaires boys club and it talks about Mm -hmm. the rich foundations that drive and control uh the the uh the schools and educational systems within america and there is a design to destroy the public school systems on purpose and to institute in that place charter schools and um, part and parcel of that, there are certain policies that are put in place. 
um, both social promotion where um, principals get uh, as high an evaluation as possible by the lowest number of students that are retained. Um, the problem with that becomes that so many students are just pushed through and the, you know, it's just a career, uh, a notch on a career path for the principal, but, you know, they want to push as many on without a care and concern about whether the children truly learn. And the second thing that they have in place is that principals are rewarded for the least number of suspensions. So what that means is that um, students can be bullied all over the place, um, teachers can be cursed out. You can have utter chaos and look good on paper and be judged um, an incredible principal. Within Baltimore City where I teach, the only thing that a child can be suspended for is fighting, and only half, and that's only half the time. And so you have out-of-control bullying. And, and I really have to emphasize, I, I really would almost like to encourage anybody in the listening audience, please go inside of a public school system. If you ever would like to just imagine what would school look like in the burning pit of hell, um, I think that an urban public school system as they currently are is, is what it would actually look like. I teach students mm. that in middle school, several students that have taught suicide. And recently I've never encountered anybody bullied to such an extent that, you know, that it would just get to the point of suicide, that it would get to the point of, of um, you know, just of, of drastic measures. But part of the problem is that the administrators, the, the less they do in terms of uh, infraction, in terms of actually addressing the problem, um, the more, you know, that they get uh, rewarded. Right. So they don't want to suspend for anything. And what it makes for is an extremely chaotic environment. And so the, 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 those that are the least thug-like, the least ready to fight, the least ready to, are those whose lives are made um a living hell, and um, and even more than the, the the children that go through it on both ends, I blame um, the adults that um, refuse to to battle and 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 advocate for our young people. They'll stand out for these sports teams. They will they will stand in long lines for politicians, but when it comes to their own children, you can't find them. They have no fight. Mm. Mm. Are there are there uh, and anyone can jump in on this one? Are there any statistics on how many uh, so-called African American homes uh, actually homeschool? 
I think the last the last time I read the stats on that, I think it was maybe 2009. At the at the time, it was only about I think maybe six or seven percent is projected, I believe, to rise maybe three percent every year. You know, as the years go on, it's it's not a lot. It's ever increasing, but it's not a lot, and it's surely not enough. And 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 I'm glad that you said it that way because uh, my my thought is, you know, with everything that is going on, and obviously with the young, uh, quote unquote, black on black crime that is going on. I mean, their videos. I mean, we can see it all over their videos. I mean, what they actually do is take the videos and beat each other up. Take the videos right. and do things to each other. That that are like uh, you wouldn't do to your worst enemy, technically, you know. And and right. I mean, with all this, where these, where are the parents, and where are uh, the schools that these these children are supposed to be in? Instead of going to school, they put them behind uh, prison doors. Then that just starts a whole spiral situation. So, um, with the homeschooling, is there uh, a is are there records that are kept? You know, I know you mentioned some statistics, but are there records kept? Is there a, a an accountability? Because there are those who uh, I even read today, some are supposedly homeschooled, but they're not actually homeschooled. So, is there an, uh, uh, a way to give account that you are actually homeschooling, or is each system or each state different? Each state is different. Every state has different laws as to what is required. Um, I can't say that I know that a state requires you to submit mm. grades, per se, but some states do require for you to take attendance, and that attendance maybe has to be submitted quarterly, or I don't know exactly how often in my state we do not um, have to take mm. attendance. Um, mm. You can test for child against the same measure that your peers would be their public school peers to see where they are. Mm but it's not a requirement, no. Mm. Okay, so it's not a requirement. Because I'm not always, in the state of Ohio. Uh, oh, not in the state of Ohio. Okay, so it's, right. a, little, it's a little different. Uh, Hanayal, do you know of uh, what is the – oh, well, you're doing it. So what is the requirement where you are in uh, Cincinnati, I believe? Yes, sir. In the state of Ohio, you have to submit uh, what's called a letter of intent. If your intent – homeschool your children. It's very simple. It's a half a page. If that is a fill in the blank, you know, I, so-and-so, you know, intends homeschool mm-hmm. my child, so-and-so, their name and age and grade, and you have to submit that. You also have to submit um, a curriculum, which is really not a curriculum. It's an outline of what it is that you plan to teach that year um, the subject areas. Now, they put you have to teach, you know, the basics, well, more than the basics, but math, science, reading, language arts, as well as fine arts, whether you choose music or whatever the case may be. And they want you to outline that and say, which within each subject category, what is what is it that you plan to teach? I mean, it took me all maybe 10 minutes to, to come put mine together. They give you a sample so you can kind of use that as a guide, um, as well as include the books that you plan Use. And if you don't know, I mean, you can say you don't know. Because a lot of this is mm-hmm. trial and error. You figure that out as you go. Kind of, you know, we're across that mm-hmm. bridge when we get to it. You know what I mean? But in the state of Ohio, that's basically 
what is required. Like I said, we do not have to take attendance and how to do you have to be tested um, against those peers. From what I understand, and Go ahead, continue. I was going to say, you know, that it varies from state to state. Some states have very high um, restrictions, not restrictions, but um, mandates as to what is required. Some states have absolutely no restrictions, none whatsoever. Some states, you don't even have to submit a letter of intent. If they show up mm-hmm. at your door and say, hey, your kids are chewing it, you say, I homeschool and close the door. You don't. You're not. You don't mm. have to um, submit anything. You have to submit anything to them, right? Well, my, let me let me ask this, brother Ted. I'm going to ask you this. Do you feel because uh, when I knew we were going to do this show, this is one question that I wanted to ask because okay. we have also an epidemic of. Uh, this, the different systems coming into homes and taking kids away for, you know, basically, you know, punishments that they deem to be unfit for children and so on and so forth. So with all these requirements, and I believe those requirements the sister was talking about are also uh, in New York as well, and someone at uh, Emphasly Show in the chat room also said the same thing. Uh do you think that we sh- is that just another way to be? Uh, I guess the word would be stuck within that system to have to account to them. And should there be, should we be able to create our own system, meaning our own community, where they are still accountable, but accountable to their own people? I mean, of course, ultimately we should ultimately be in a position. We are accountable for our own people. I just think that um, we have to be strategic in terms of Mm. the way we do what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things about our enemies is they plan 40, 50, and maybe more years ahead of time. And I think that we have to strategize based upon where we are to where we need to be. And, and, you know, if if we have to abide – um, you know, by the particular mandates and things that, that um, you know, that the state requires, then that's, you know, what we need to do in the meantime. And hopefully we can build ourselves up to a position where we can be accountable um, to our own uh, people. But that means that we have to create systems of independence. The problem mm-hmm. is that we depend on our enemies for our sustenance. You know, we mm. depend on our enemies for our food, our clothing, for our, our shelter, for our, our necessities. So, you know, all of that goes, you know, towards ultimately towards, um, you know, independence and, and, and ultimately what we should be driving to. But I do want to say that I do think that the discussion that we have today, I think, can be a springboard, you know, for for greater things, um, you know, mm-hmm. because these are the type of discussions that we need to have and, you know, we can begin to uh, coordinate efforts, you know, because we have three individuals present across three different states and, you know, mm-hmm. begin to coordinate efforts and then even others within the listening audience and let's begin to come, you know, to the to the table. And instead of 
too many times as a people we focus on our differences and not as much within, you know, our similarities. And um oh, you know, for example, you know, the the the, the, the first sister sister Hanael is coming from a, a more Hebraic perspective. The second sister mm-hmm. is coming from a more Afrocentric perspective. Now, the mm-hmm. traditional way, you know, we look at the, the, the differences, but not look at the similarities. The one thing exactly. that we can all agree, coming back to Brother Malcolm, <laughs> that their enemy don't care whether you're Baptist, Methodist, or anything else, <laughs> you know, when he put that club upside your head. And we That's have right. to begin to focus more on similarities and on difference. We we can all agree that this system is mm-hmm. not working for us. And let's mm-hmm. begin to work mm-hmm. upon points of agreement and not always focus on points of disagreement and begin to lay out strategy, coordinate efforts, and begin to do what needs to be done. Because right now I'm, I'm a public school teacher within the system. I want to begin to step by step, begin to move myself out of this system. Whether I begin to right. start off with a nonprofit, whether I begin to have to start with an after-school program, whatever it is that I have to do, you know, I want to also begin to get in these discussions with homeschooling networks within Maryland and those out of, outside of Maryland and begin to strategize and begin to figure out, okay, what are ways that, we can be begin to um, you know to have independent systems of education that ultimately geared us towards independence and and not dependent well, I, on our enemy for our sustenance. Well, what I'd like to do, we're going to take a, a couple second break. Uh, I should say pay the bills if we want to call it that, and we're going to be right back with closing thoughts because we don't have that much uh, time left. But we'll be right back. Ease 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. You are listening to The People with Moray Yahoshua. Transforming your minds while developing your spirit. Right here on the Keys 107 Network at BlogTalkRadio.com. Uh, you are listening to Listen to the People with myself and uh, uh, Adira, Moshe, Hanael, Sister Sandra, Brother Ted. And right now we have a caller. Uh, her name is Aaliyah, and she would like to make a comment. You're on, Aaliyah. Hi, everybody. 
Um, my comment is going to be very brief. I have missed out on some parts of the show, but I just wanted to say that anyone, I'm also a homeschooling mom. I have three children. But anyone who's interested in um, organizing, I would just encourage you to speak to the people in your community and find out their skill levels because there are people who have homeschool networks. Um, there are charter school, charter um, homeschools, and there are people who are equipped to assist with curriculum development, right, in your own communities. So it's best to talk to the people who are around you, talk to other parents, and see what it is that they want to do, because sometimes people are interested, they just don't have the information. So that's pretty much what I wanted to share. All right, yeah, that's what, that's what everything is really, uh, uh-oh, everything is really about our community, and we definitely need to do things like that. What I would like to do is do this again next week. Uh, we will, uh, you know, contact everyone here and try to, uh, if not next week, an, another Wednesday that we can do it because I think this is a very important issue and we need uh, to get uh, more information out to the people and, and maybe even extend the show next week to two hours. So if we can do that, I would really, really appreciate it. Like I said, we will contact everyone. So, family, that's it uh, for the show today. Please make sure that if not today, you get people to listen on the archives. Uh, you can visit us at thekeys107network.com. Check out uh, – I want you to check out The Communicator with Brother Leroy. Uh, uh, he had a great show on the, on the 9th And I really want you to check that out Don't forget the apps You can get it for your, your smartphone And please join us next, next week For the program As we continue to speak to our community And listen to our community And um, we will definitely try to have A second part to this show next week So until then Be blessed Live blessed Stand strong. This is MYBY. Shalom.
you.